Welcome to Catholic Conversations. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today I'm going to be talking about the Luminous Mysteries. I know I promised this episode for a long time, and I finally got it together. And I think this is going to be the definitive uh, podcast or YouTube video on the Luminous Mysteries. I was looking all over the place, and there's little information here or there, and there's not much. So hopefully this is going to be the thing. Now, disclaimers, I'm probably going to make somebody upset. Whether it's going to be the rad trads or whether it's going to be the charismatics or everyone in between, somebody's going to be upset by this podcast because, well, I'm going to give you the answer right now. I actually don't think that the Luminous Mysteries count as part of the rosary, but at the same time, I actually personally pray the Luminous Mysteries every single day. So that's kind of the throwing that out there right at the beginning. Uh, but don't go away. Don't click off just because you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you saying, Adrian? Luminous Mysteries are the rosary. Or you're saying, what? Adrian, you pray the Luminous Mysteries? That's terrible. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. So just stay tuned. Uh, take a listen to the entire podcast because I'm going to tell you why I pray the Luminous Mysteries and why I do not think that they count as the rosary. I'm going to go through the origins of the Luminous Mysteries. A lot of people do not realize that the Luminous Mysteries actually predate John Paul II. And I'm going to talk to you about why a lot of people do not like the Luminous Mysteries, why they avoid praying them, they do not pray them. And if that's you, I'm okay with that. I am trying to be charitable to people on all sorts of the Catholic spectrum here. As long as you are faithful to Holy Mother Church, I want to be in, in charity with you. And so... And then I'm going to give a defense of Luminous Mysteries, but then I'm going to give you the arguments against the Luminous Mysteries, and then I'm going to conclude with the with that. That's going to be the, the concluding of it. So please stay tuned. Please listen to the whole episode. Links in the description below for everything I'm talking about, whether it's going to be a citation of a book, links to articles, anything like that. It's all going to be in the description. I'm going to link there's some good Catholic books on, Lumin on, the, on the rosary. There's no good Catholic books on Luminous Mysteries, at least not that I'm aware of. You know any sin in my way. But uh, The Secret of the Rosary, St. Louis de Mumford, I'm going to be linking all those in the description below. So take a look in the description. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. So the possible origins of the Luminous Mysteries. On October 16th, October of 2002, His Holiness John Paul II began the 25th anniversary of his pontificate by publishing an apostolic letter, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, in which he inaugurated the year of the rosary to last from October 2002 to October 2003. In this letter, the Pope also introduced five new mysteries of the rosary to be included with the traditional ones. These new mysteries were to be called the mysteries of light or the luminous mysteries, referring to the public life of our Lord. International journalists, Catholic and non-Catholic alike, gave prominence to them, adding that, quote, the idea of the Pope could have come from the writings of a Maltese priest whom the Pope declared blessed in 2001, blessed George Preca. So in a little bit, I'm going to talk about this, this Father George Preca, who is made blessed by John Paul II. And so he was made venerable. I don't know who made him venerable. I have it listed here. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we'll get into that. It is not yet known whether these new mysteries were actually taken from those proposed by, by Father George Preca, but it is certainly a curious fact that apart from some small differences, the five mysteries are identical to those proposed by Father Preca. Interesting as well is the fact that the Pope has called these mysteries from Christ's public life the mysteries of light, the same title given originally by Father Preca when he proposed them 
in 1957. So notice that. Father Preca presented these in 1957. That predates the council. It predates, even that predates the changing of the traditional Latin mass and the 62 missile. Now, a lot of people may be like, what are you talking about? Change the Latin mass, 62 missile. That's a whole other topic I'm not really going to get into right now. But just know that these came up in 1957. Now, it doesn't necessarily make it good, doesn't necessarily make it bad. It's just interesting to note that these were not an invention of Vatican II. St. Preca, according to this, I'm just reading it, so whether or not you think he's a saint or not, I'm not going to get into argument, I'm just reading this article. St. Preca lived from 1880 to 1962, founded a society of lay people to study the Christian doctrine and teach it to children and adults. He called it the Society of Christian Doctrine. In 1957, the society celebrated the 50th anniversary of its birth, and Father Preca was against any external celebrations. It's enough to sing the Te Deum as a Thanksgiving, he said. On a side note, I think it's really interesting. The Catholic culture used to sing the Te Deum all the time. Every every situation that we're in, we would sing the Te Deum. And I'm thinking of uh, why I'm thinking about this is because at the at the turning of Roe v. Wade, I went to Mass that evening, and at the end of Mass, Father had to sing the Te Deum, and it made me think. You know, whenever the Spaniards arrived in Florida, they sang the Te Deum. Whenever Christopher Columbus landed in the Americas, they sang the Te Deum. Like that was a a, a hymn a that was chanted, that was memorized, that people would sing regularly. And it's a pretty long chant. It's not easily memorized, in my opinion. I don't have it memorized. I think that's maybe something that we can start bringing back. I don't know. Just an idea. But his collaborators persuaded him to have some modest celebrations as an encouragement to the members. Hence, Father Preca wanted this year to be an occasion of a deeper intimacy with God. And so he published his well-known colloquies with God, 60 short but penetrating invocations, which gave, give us good insight into Father Preca's interior life. During the same year, he came up with the idea of these additional mysteries to the rosary, taken from the public life of our Lord. Originally, Father Preca had them published in a small leaflet for the private use of the members of his society. I still remember quite vividly how our founder introduced these mysteries during one of our weekly meetings with him. His face clearly showed the joy in his heart as he proposed these episodes from the public life of Jesus. Father Preca did not say how they originated, whether they were his idea or taken from other reading. In the latter case, he would have started as usual by saying, see what I have found for you. So it would seem the idea was completely his own. He told us that it was useful to meditate on the entire life of Christ and that the rosary was lacking this public ministry of the Lord. Father Preca added that he really enjoyed praying these new mysteries and reflecting about him who said that he is the light of the world, John 8, 12. The mysteries of light became public property in Malta after two publications in 1973 and 1987. As already mentioned above, they were later also put on the internet on websites regarding the rosary. Let me continue, but just a second, I just wanted to note that Father Preca died in 1962, the year that they changed in the traditional Latin Mass, the year of the publishing of the 1962 Missal. So this was, this was pre-Vatican II, uh, about the time he died, about the time when they're beginning to call the council into play. So that was, this is all happening and after him. Of course, all the things that happened around the Second Vatican Council well, he would have been aware of it. There were these things that were movements in the culture. All those things still existed at the time. So anyway, the mysteries of light according to St. Preca and the Pope. So here are the following uh, that were presented by Father Preca. Father Preca had the first luminous mystery when our Lord Jesus Christ, after his baptism in the Jordan, was led into the desert. The second luminous mystery when our Lord Jesus Christ showed by word and miracle that he is true God. 
Third luminous mystery, when our Lord Jesus Christ taught the Beatitudes on the mountain. Fourth luminous mystery, when our Lord Jesus Christ was transfigured on the mountain. The fifth luminous mystery, when our Lord Jesus Christ had his last meal with the apostles. Now, John Paul II, you'll see that they are similar, but a little bit different. His are the first, Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan. The second, his self-manifestation at the wedding at Cana. The third, his proclamation of the kingdom of God with this, with this call to conversion. The fourth, the, his transfiguration before the apostles on Mount Tabor. And fifth, his institution of the Eucharist as the sacramental expression of the Paschal mystery. And going on in the same article, and I'm going to link this whole article down below. I'm reading from it, and you can uh, read the same article. If we compare these two versions, we cannot fail to notice a great similarity between the mysteries of light as proposed by St. George Preca and as proposed by the Pope 45 years later. The differences between them are not as significant as might appear at first. In the first mystery, Father Preca adds after the baptism in the Jordan that Jesus went into the desert to spend 40 days in the preparation for his mission. Those who know St. Preca well, will, well may as well guess why he added this pericope from the life of Jesus. Since Father Preca composed these mysteries for the use of the members of his society, he probably wanted them to realize the importance of preparing oneself for the mission of evangelization. In the second mystery, Father Preca proposed that we meditate how Jesus showed his divinity by word and miracles. The Pope proposes only one miracle, the wedding at Cana, in which Jesus revealed his glory. In the third mystery, Father Preca brings in the Beatitudes, which have been called the constitution of the church he was to found. With the Beatitudes, Jesus also proclaimed the kingdom of God and challenged us to change our style of living if we intend to follow him. The fourth and fifth mysteries of both texts are mostly identical. Anyway, I will link below if you want to learn more about Father Preca, so then you can find out what do you think about him from what I've read about him. And honestly, I was first be made known about Father Preca by a listener a long time ago when I talked about the Luminous Mysteries just briefly. Someone sent me an email saying, hey, I listened to your show. I'm from Malta area, and Father Preca is someone we know. And so he told me a little about them, said that there's not really much in English uh, that I can read about him. So this is really all I could find. So... I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be the life of St. Uh, Father Preca. He seems to be pretty solid from what I've read. He kind of reminds me of the founders of the Legionnaires of Christ. Or not the Legionnaires of Christ, the Legion of Mary, rather. So it seems like he seems solid. I mean, I don't know. You let me know. If you know something about Father Preca that I don't, let me know. I don't really know much about him except what I read here. So anyway, so here's In Defense of Luminous Mysteries. And let me remind you. If you are not a fan of the Luminous Mysteries, just listen, because at best, in the best case, case scenario, you will may, may come to think, well, you know what, at least now I understand what the other side thinks, at the very least. And I maybe you won't be convinced by it. Whatever it be, try to listen to the whole podcast. Here he goes to the defense of the Luminous Mysteries. Of the many mysteries of Christ's life, only a few are indicated by the rosary in the form that has been generally established with the seal of the church's approval. The selection was determined by the origin of the prayers, which has been based on the number 150, the number of the Psalms in the Psalter. I believe, however, that to bring out fully the Christological depths of the rosary, it would be suitable to make an addition to the traditional pattern, which, while left to the freedom of individuals and communities, could broaden it to include the mysteries of Christ's public ministry between his baptism and his passion. 
in the course of those mysteries, we com- contemplate important aspects of the person of Christ as a definitive revelation of God. Declared the beloved Son, the Father, at the baptism in the Jordan, Christ is the one who announces the coming of the kingdom, bears witness to it in his works, and proclaims its demands. It is during the years of his public ministry that the mystery of Christ is most evidently a mystery of light. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Consequently, for the rosary to become more fully a compendium of the gospel, it is fitting to add following reflections on the incarnation and the hidden life of Christ, the joyful mysteries, and before focusing on the suffering of his passion, the sorrowful mysteries, and the triumph of his resurrection, the glorious mysteries, a meditation on certain particularly significant moments in his public ministry, the mysteries of light. This addition to these new mysteries without prejudice to any essential aspect of the prayer's traditional format is meant to give it fresh life and to enkindle renewed interest in the rosary's place within Christian spirituality as a true doorway for the depths of the heart of Christ, ocean of joy and of light, of suffering and of glory. So that's from the document that promulgated the Luminous Mysteries by John Paul II, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, and that is paragraph 19, I believe. And so if you, I would recommend reading, reading it if you want to learn more, because that's where John Paul II lays it out. And obviously he lays it out in a very positive way saying, hey, look, this is a good thing. But notice here he says that this is left to the freedom of individuals and communities. So people who say, oh, you're a bad Catholic because you don't pray the luminous mysteries. Well, that's not, that's not the case. Even according to John Paul II, you are not obliged to pray the Luminous Mysteries. You're not obliged to pray the Rosary at all, technically speaking, though I would be worried about your soul if you didn't pray the Rosary. But you're not required to pray the Rosary. It's, it's not a dogma of the faith, not a doctrine of the faith, but is highly recommendable. But the Luminous Mysteries, even here, John Paul II didn't mandate it. It is interesting, though, that it was essentially became widespread. And so here's an article that came out in 2002 after the introduction of the New Mysteries by the SSPX. So this is basically, I mean, I'm not going to say this is the SSPX position because, you know, what does that mean? But this is from their website. And they said, firstly, it is heartening to see the Pope strive to restore to honor the praying of the rosary. It has fallen into disuse and even contempt, especially among ecclesiastics, a fact which led to give one example from among thousands to the dismissal of seminarians for the habitual resuscitation of the rosary. No word could be too scornful for stigmatizing this fetishism from another age. It has to be said, though, that this prayer has remained in high esteem among many pious Catholics. So there's more to the article, but I just wanted to read this one section because I'm going to be, they give criticisms of the Luminous Mysteries later on, but I just want to read this first section because here the SSPX is recognizing, saying, hey, look, I think it's great that the Pope is promoting the rosary. That is a good thing. And so we we should be positive about the good things, and we should be negative about the negative things. We don't have to go scorched earth on everything. And so it is good that John Paul II was promoting the rosary, especially since, as the SSPX noted here, that the, it's actually absolutely insane, that the rosary was suppressed in seminaries. You were punished as a Catholic if you were praying the rosary as a seminarian. There's a great book called Goodbye, Good Men, where they talk about how seminarians were kicked out of the seminary because they were too Catholic, because they would pray the rosary. That is insanity. So this was a positive thing at the time. At the time, if you were a Catholic and you're like, why would they accept these luminous mysteries, yada, yada, yada? Well, you have to understand the cultural context. At this point, they're like, rosary? Well, that's amazing. Someone's going to be promoting the rosary? We're allowed to pray the rosary again? Like that's, That is the kind of the attitude that was had. That's how bad it had gotten before that. And to note also 
Well, I'll leave the rest of that for later. So again, this is from Pope is Adding New Mysteries to the Rosary by Frank Bruni in the New York Times, October 14, 2002. It says, time and again, wrote Frank Bruni, Pope John Paul II has boldly gone where other popes had not. A synagogue? A ski slope? Distant countries with tiny populations. On Wednesday, he will apparently cross another frontier, making a significant change in the rosary, a signature method of Catholic prayer for centuries now. The article quotes, a senior Vatican official to the effect that this change in the rosary was in keeping with his, the Pope's, creativity and his courage. So it's interesting that that was kind of the analysis that the New York Times gave. That it was big, big news in 2002. Pope adding to the rosary was like earth shattering, even among seculars. So continuing on, the... Um, so we're going to go on to the, some from there. So those are kind of the defenses of the Luminous Mysteries. And you may think, well, Adrian, you didn't give a very good defense of Luminous Mysteries. Well, write into me, give me some questions, comments, concerns, soapbox and negativities, and let me know what you think. And I'd be happy to um, address those things ever, if you ever want to have those. So over onward, the rosary. And so this is going to be more of the negative things about Luminous Mysteries. So be prepared. And I, if you are a huge supporter of the Luminous Mysteries, take a deep breath and just listen to the arguments. Let me know what you think and be charitable. The Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, according to the tradition accepted by St. Pius V, has authoritatively taught by him consists of various elements disposed in an organic fashion. A series of mysteries of salvation wisely distributed into three cycles. These mysteries express the joy of the messianic times, the salvific suffering of Christ, and the glory of the risen Lord, which fills the church. The continued series of Hail Marys is the special characteristic of the rosary in their number, in the full and typical number 150. Presents a certain analogy with the Psalter and is an element that goes back to the very origin of the exercise of piety. But this number divided according to well-tried custom into decades attached to the individual mysteries is distributed in the three cycles already mentioned, thus giving rise to the rosary of 50 Hail Marys as we know it. The latter has entered into use as normal measures of the pious exercise and as such has been adopted by popular piety and approved by papal authority, which also enriched it with numerous indulgences. And so that's from the Remnant article uh, by Christopher Farrar on the, uh, on the New Mysteries. So we're going to go through, I'm going to give you 13 reasons why I do not consider the Luminous Mysteries as part of the Rosary. So when I do this, remember, I'm not saying that the Rosary is bad. I'm not saying the Rosary is bad. I'm, what I'm saying is that the, that the Luminous Mysteries are a separate devotion. It is not the Rosary. It is another chaplet. It is a new chaplet that you're free to pray or not pray. Kind of like the chaplet of St. Michael or the chaplet of the Seven Sorrows of Mary, which is just colloquy. Well, I'm not using the right word. It is, it is commonly used, or the term commonly used is the Seven Sorrows Rosary, but it's really the chaplet of the Seven Sorrows. So there are several chaplets in the Catholic tradition. This I consider a new one. One that you're free to pray or not to pray, but it's not the rosary. Why? Because of reason number one, the rosary has supernatural origin. The rosary was given to us by the Blessed Virgin Mary to St. Dominic. Our lady appeared to St. Dominic and told her, told him, do you know what the, what heaven has, what heaven desires to conquer the heresies of the world? 
and I'm paraphrasing because I didn't get the exact quote, but this is the idea. St. Dominic responds to Our Lady and says, you would know better than I would. So tell me, what is it? Our Lady tells him, preach my Psalter. Now notice, Our Lady says, preach my Psalter. And that's going to come up in a second. But Our Lady has given us the rosary. Now there's argument among scholars. Okay, well, maybe the rosary in some form existed before. We know the Pater Noster beads existed before. So people would pray, our fathers on beads. And so maybe they, people say, okay, well, we have a little evidence that maybe they're praying Aves as well. And people will also say, well, the second half of Lumen's history came later. So there's evidence that it can change. But remember, the rosary was given to St. Dominic. And if it's the case that the rosary in some form existed prior to St. Dominic, well, that does, what it stands to reason is that what in fact was given to our Lord, to St. Dominic by Our Lady? It was the mysteries of our Lord. It was the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries. That was the thing that Our Lady gave them. Now, I believe that he gave him the physical rosary as well, that she handed him a rosary. And I believe that she gave him the form of the rosary as well, the form and the matter of the rosary. So I think that's a very important thing. The second thing is the is Bunini tried to change the rosary under Paul VI. So people are already predisposed to be anti-anything new rosary because Bunini was trying to change the rosary at this time, and I could do a whole episode on this, but Paul VI, and I think the, just coming from the mouth of Paul VI himself would be sufficient for this conversation. Paul VI said, the faithful would conclude that the Pope has changed the rosary and the psychological effect would be disastrous. Any change in it cannot be lessened, the, but cannot but lessen the confidence of the simple and the poor, Pope Paul VI. So Paul VI is saying, you want to change the rosary. You want to make it different. You want to make it simpler. You want to add things, take things away. Because Bunini was like, why don't we just do the first half of the, of the Hail Marys? Well, why don't we pray more of the Our Fathers? Or, and they had a bunch of ideas of what we can do to change the rosary up, to be, to be with the times. And Paul VI was like, absolutely not. It would destroy the faith of the, of the simple and the poor. And that's a very important point that whenever this happened, it was scandalous to people. And now most people have kind of just accepted it by brute force, but there are a lot of people who have not. The third thing is that the Marian Psalter, are, it's called the Marian Psalter. Our Lady says, preach my Psalter. Now, what does that mean, preach my Psalter? What is the Psalter? The Psalter is the 150 Psalms of David that the religious and priest have to pray every single day. It's referred to as the divine office. They pray the 150 Psalms. Now, we've kind of changed that up a little bit. So the priests don't pray all 150 every day. And some communities, they pray 150 a week. Some spread it out in different ways. But in general, it was understood by the Benedictines, who were kind of those who try to keep most faithful to it in the early church, that they would, in fact, I say early church, but really through the middle, middle ages and beyond, they would pray the Psalter every day. They pray all 150 Psalms every single day. And Our Lady, you know, the lay, lay faithful, the lay faithful were, would not be able to pray the Psalms. One, because they may not have had it memorized. Two, they may not have been able to read it if they had it. Even if they could read, three, they may not have been able to afford a copy of the Psalter. And fourthly, it, they don't have time. The Psalter is not exactly the fastest thing in the world. And so our, it was, became common to pray Paternoster beats. You would pray the Our Father 150 times and an imitation of the monks. Well, the Marian Psalter became the same thing. 
it became praying 150 Hail Marys, referring to the Blessed Virgin, right? And so Our Lady comes to St. Dominic and says, preach my Psalter. Now, if you change from 150 Hail Marys and you change that to 200 Hail Marys, well, now you're no longer praying Our Lady's Psalter. You're praying 200 Hail Marys and you've destroyed the symbolism there. And that reminds me of what I was going to bring up in the first point, that this is divinely revealed and the, this, the luminous mysteries are man-made. That doesn't necessarily make them bad. It just makes them not on par with the, with the rosary. And so I will come back to that point in a little bit, but some people would make the argument, well, you don't know, maybe St. Dominic, or maybe uh, John Paul II uh, had a vision and Our Lady appeared to him and gave him the Luminous Mysteries. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's, I guess that's technically possible, but we don't have any evidence of that. Pope John Paul II never claimed that to be the case. And nobody who knew John Paul II or was associated has ever said such a thing. So it's really just conjecture and really unfalsifiable position. So I, I just have to dismiss that kind of argument right off the bat. So anyway, so going on to the fourth point. So the Trinity of saving mysteries took nature, death on the cross, resurrection, according to Paul in Philippians 2, 7 through 9. And so I'm going to read to you Philippians 2, 7 through 9. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in likeness of men and in the habit found as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death even to death on the cross, for which cause God also hath exalted him and hath given him a name, which is above all names. Now, what is happening here? What am I bringing up? I'm saying that St. Paul himself gives us, breaks down the life of our Lord in three ways. He brings up the taking on the nature, the incarnation, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. Those are the three central mysteries that Paul brings up. This is also the three mysteries that Our Lady gives us, the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious. And so there is a symmetry with sacred scripture. Our Lord desired that those be the key mysteries that we focus on. Is it bad to focus on the ministry of Christ? No, of course not. Is it bad to focus on the baptism? No, of course not. What about the wedding? What about the proclamation of the kingdom of God? What about the transfiguration? What about the institution of the Eucharist? Obviously, those things are not bad, but those are not the central mysteries that Paul himself in Philippians has given to us to meditate on. The fifth thing, Lords Bernadette was asked to come for 15 days. Now, the apparition of Lords, you may say, well, that would happen before John Paul II. Well, that's my point. At Lords, Bernadette was asked to come for 15 days. She was asked to pray the rosary with Our Lady. Why did Our Lady not give her these new mysteries yet? You're saying, okay, well, not yet. It wasn't time yet. But it's just interesting note. Every time Our Lady appears, it's always the traditional rosary. It is always associated with the 15 days according to the 15 mysteries of the Holy Rosary, the 15 decades that should be prayed, the 150 Psalms, the 150 Hail Marys. Six, it is non-obligatory even in 2002. That's very important. I mentioned this earlier. I should have waited for now, but it's non-obligatory. John Paul II himself states that it's non-obligatory. You are not going to, you are not being forced to add this to the rosary. Even though everyone added it to their rosary pamphlets, it does not belong there. It is not the rosary. The seventh thing imitates the traditional rhythm of life. So the traditional rhythm of life, and obviously because we live in the 21st century, our lives are kind of wild, but we really should try to simplify our lives and try to have it more simple and ordered. So one, 
we have the rising. We wake up every morning. Two, we should rest at noon, which is, you know, we take your lunch break. But you should rest at noon. Usually it was because it's the height of the day. You stop, pray the Angelus. You may take a break because you're out in the sun. But, you know, 21st century, we're in AC units. Um, so there's that. And three, retiring in the evening. And so the mysteries of the rosary was an imitation of the rhythm of life. It was a part of the breathing of the faithful. You would breathe it throughout the day. You would pray the rosary when you woke up. You would pray the rosary during the middle of the day, and you would pray it at night and the evening before bed or any evening before the rest of the finishing of your day. Eight, Fatima's first Saturdays asked for her to, the, the kids to keep her company for 15 minutes meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary. Notice that. When Our Lady of Fatima appeared in 1917, this is right before Father Preca comes up with his luminous mysteries and not too much before on less than a hundred years before John Paul II promulgates luminous mysteries. So our lady Fatima appears and she doesn't give us luminous mysteries either. And she does not tell them we'll come for 20 minutes. She just gives no hints, no allusions toward these luminous mysteries. Instead, we are to keep her company for 15 minutes meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary. So if you're meditating on the luminous mysteries, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're not fulfilling what Our Lady has asked. Our Lady has asked for the 15 minutes meditating the 15 mysteries of the rosary, not meditating on the luminous mysteries, not meditating on the seven sorrows of Our Lady, not meditating on the chapel of St. Michael. Those are all good things, but it's not what Our Lady asked for. Ninth, the 15 promises of the rosary. Our lady has promised us 15 promises associated with praying the rosary. Each promise is not, it's not explicitly articulated this way, but each promise is associated with the rosary, with the, each decade of the rosary. So 15 decades associated with the 15 promises. Because remember, St. Louis de Mumford said, Blessed Alan de la Roche, and Secret of the Rosary, which I will link down below, and I highly recommend, it's a must, 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 must read. This, was a, this changed my life. This book changed my life. You really should read it. 15 Promises of the Rosary. In St. Louis de Montfort's book, Secret of the Rosary, he says that praying a five-decade rosary is a children's rosary. When you're an adult in the faith, you pray the 15 mysteries every single day. I pray all 20. I pray the joyful, sorrowful, glorious, and then I pray the luminous mysteries. So the 15 Promises of the Rosary are associated with the 15 promises of Our Lady. That's a very important thing. 10 is the ordering of the days. Monday, you'd pray the joyful. So you'd meditate in the life of Christ. Tuesday, you'd pray the sorrowful. So you're now you're meditating on the, on the death of our Lord. Wednesday, the glorious. So you're now the rising. Thursday, the joyful again. Friday, because, you know, Fridays are dedicated to the passion. You pray the sorrowful. Saturday, dedicated to Our Lady, you pray the glorious. And then Sundays were kind of like a wild card day where you would pray different mysteries depending on the season. The glorious mysteries were played outside of Lent and Advent. The sorrowful mysteries were prayed during Lent. The joyfuls were prayed during Advent and Christmas. So then the Sundays became associated with the seasons. So you're able to actually pray according to the season. And then every other time you pray the glorious because, you know, Sunday is always a remembrance of the resurrection. So it had a pattern of life that was well-ordered and made a lot of sense. Number 11, secret of the rosary the Psalter or Rosary of Our Lady is divided into three chaplets of five decades each for the following reasons. So this is the reasons why in Secret of the Rosary, this is what St. Louis de Montfort says are the reasons why it's called the Psalter, why it's divided into three chaplets of five decades each. This is the reasons he gives. One, 
to honor the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. If there are four decades, if there are four chaplets, four sets, well, then now we've destroyed that symbolism. So three persons of the Holy Trinity, three dedicated to the three of the mysteries that are associated with it. The second thing, to honor the life, death, and glory of Jesus Christ. Those are the fundamental mysteries of the life of our Lord. Thirdly, to imitate the church triumphant, to help the members of the church militant, and to bring relief to the church suffering. So the church triumphant is the church in heaven. The members of the church militant are us on earth. And the uh, church suffering are the church, the, those souls that are in purgatory. And you notice that there is a, a, a similitude there. The church triumphant, meditating on the glorious mysteries of the rosary. The church militant is the joyful mysteries of the rosary. We're here on earth. We are incarnate here on earth. We are working out. We are living our life. We're doing these things. And then the sorrowful mysteries associated with the pain and suffering that is in purgatory. There's, an, there's a similitude there. There's a tri-nation there. Fourthly, to imitate the three groups into which the Psalms are divided. The first being for the purgative life, the second for the illuminative life, and the third for the unitive life. So those are the three stages of the spiritual life. And the rosary imitates the three stages of the spiritual life. The rosary is so profound. It's so powerful. We don't, we forget how powerful it is. We forget how, we forget the depths that the rosary has. And it is, we cannot plunge the depths in this life. You will be meditating on these mysteries, meditating on the rosary in the next life. So recognize there's three stages to the, to the spiritual life. You have the purgative way. We're trying to get rid of all our sins. We have the illuminative way. We're trying to get them closer to God, be united with them. And we have the unitive way where we have become in a mystical way, united to Christ. We have become, we have reached theosis or divinization. We can be a whole podcast on itself, but that is very important to recognize those three things. If there's four, it breaks the symbolism. Fifthly, to give us graces in abundance during life, peace at death, and glory in eternity. Those are the three things that are associated with human beings. We have our life, which we will pray for the graces for this life, joyful mysteries, sorrowful mysteries, peace at death. We are trying to unite our sufferings because at the moment of death, that is when the devils come for us in full force, trying to drag us to hell. Peace at death. And thirdly, the glory and eternity, the glorious mysteries, the resurrection, the assumption of Our Lady, the crowning of Our Lady with the crown, with the, uh, with, with, as the queen of heaven and earth. Very important, very beautiful things we have to associate with. We need to think about those things. Adding a fourth one throws off these things. The 12th point that I'm going to make is the 153 fish associated with the 153 Hail Marys. This is also important. Our Lady has, has been prefigured throughout the Bible. There are types of Our Lady throughout Scripture. But a type that is often missed, and because of this, is, it's because it's not a doctrine of the faith, so people kind of don't think about it but this was articulated by St. Louis de Montfort. It's articulated by many others as well. The 153 fish that are caught by the apostles when they cast their net out, because remember what happens are the fish, the apostles are out. They're trying to fish and they're catching nothing, but our Lord tells them cast out on the other side, right? So they throw their net out and the fish get caught up in the net 
and they pull it up, and how many fish did they catch? They caught 153 fish. What is that associated with? That is associated with the 150 Hail Marys that are associated with the rosary, plus the three that are at the tail end of the rosary that you say at the beginning of the rosary, and that comes out to 153 Hail Marys associated with the 153 fish that were caught. Furthermore, the net symbolizes the actual physical rosary itself. Oftentimes, up until modern times, where we have really fancy rosaries, and even still we have these, or a lot of times the rosaries are made of rope. And so these rosaries made of rope are associated with the net. So the net, which is the rosary, catches the fish. And what are the fish? The fish are souls. The fish are the people that we are trying to save. This is representing the salvation of souls, how praying the rosary, praying these mysteries will save souls. And that is associated with the rosary that Our Lady gave us to St. Dominic. To add a new mystery, to add more Hail Marys, not that saying more Hail Marys is bad, I'm not saying that, but by adding these things is to say that all these symbolisms, all these things that have come before us are more man-made tradition rather than divine revelation. It is more to say, well, you know, we created these joyful, sorrowful, and glorious, so why can't we just add a new one? We just make up our own. We can add more devotions. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with making up our own devotions, but if it's supplanting devotions that already exist, devotions that our Lord has given us, that is a problem. So finally, I want to note, let us note, first of all, that all the central mysteries, the proclamation of the kingdom of God, is not a precise historic event like the other mysteries of the rosary, but a general aspect of the preaching of the gospel, which makes it meditation difficult. As Leo XIII says, it is not dogmas of faith or doctrinal principles that the rosary offers to our meditation, but rather events to contemplate with, with one's eyes and to remember. And these events presented with their circumstance of person, place, and time are thereby the better impressed upon our souls. What is being said here, this, what is being said here is the more specific something is, the easier it is to meditate on. The more broad something is, the more difficult it is to meditate on. And I know this to be the case, and this is kind of a weak criticism, to be honest, but it's still the case that this is a criticism. The mysteries of the rosary are very particular. They are recognizing a particular event, the crowning of thorns, the agony in the garden, scourging of the pillar, the carrying of the cross, the crucifixion. All these things are associated with a very particular event. The proclamation of the kingdom of God and the luminous mysteries are very broad. That could be the Sermon on the Mount. It could be his miracles and his during his life. It could be any number of things. It could be the attitudes. It could be a whole bunch of things, and it's hard to meditate upon because it's so broad. I need to go and read the entirety of the New Testament to try to understand, to meditate upon the proclamation of the kingdom of God, whereas I can pull out just a couple of verses and meditate upon these other mysteries of the traditional rosary. Now, what am I saying here? I have said it over and over again. And if you stayed with me, thank you very much for listening to the entirety of the podcast. I pray the luminous mysteries. Why do I pray the luminous mysteries? I mostly pray them because I made a promise to pray them. When I was, when I was in high school, I started reading the secret of the rosary that my mom had purchased for me years before, but I never read. I thought I was too good for the rosary. I thought I was too smart for the rosary. It wasn't for me. It was for other people. It was for the weak-minded. It was for others. I finally humbled myself and read this little booklet. 
It's very short. You can read it in a day if you really wanted to. I, my life was changed. I understood the mysteries of the rosary. I started praying the rosary every day and it changed my life. It made me a better person. It helped me to overcome vice and pursue virtue. This is very important. The mysteries of the rosary are very important. Then I met my friend, Gabriel Castillo, and you can check out the interview I did with him. Just look up Adrian Fonseca, Gabriel Castillo. You should find it. I don't have it on my podcast. It's on his, I think. Actually, I don't know where I have it, but you'll find it. I promise you'll find it. Here's the thing. My friend Gabriel Castillo is probably the biggest advocate of the rosary that I know. He's a very holy man. I trust him. I recommend his stuff to everyone. And he told me to pray the Luminous Mysteries. And he made this whole video on praying the all four mysteries of the rosary. I disagree with him now. At the time, I didn't. I disagree with him now that the Luminous Mysteries are part of the rosary. But at that time, when that happened, I committed myself to God and said, you know, I'm going to pray the four, I'm going to pray all four mysteries of the rosary every single day. Now, obviously there is loophole there and say, well, at the time I didn't know better. Now I know better. So I'm not, it's not actually binding. Cause I said, I'll pray all the four mysteries, but there's only three. So I really, I just misspoke. But anyway, I don't see it as harmful. And so I pray it as an additional chaplet. Plus here's a secondary reason. It is good for evangelization. It is good when I talk to people who are not at the same place that I am, the same place that you might be. And so if we're talking about this with others and the Luminous Mysteries come up and someone's like, and this happened to me fairly recently, I was at a wedding and one of the servers at the wedding, because it was a traditional Latin mass and it's very common among traditional Catholics to not want to pray the Luminous Mysteries. They were saying to the, the sacristan there, because we were at a visiting church, church that was not our own. And they were talking about the Luminous Mysteries. He was like, oh, I don't pray those. And the lady was scandalized. And I was like, well, you know, I pray the Luminous Mysteries every day. And she was very elite by that because she was like, oh, these, these Catholics don't pray the Luminous Mysteries. What's wrong with them? And I told her I pray the Luminous Mysteries every day. And she was alleviated by that because it is scandalous to try to say, to try to say that a, a, a devotion is bad in the church. You have to have a good reason for saying so. You can't just say it because it scandalizes people. You don't want to scandalize people. And so I say it as a, I pray the Luminous Mysteries also in order to build a bridge, in order to meet people where they're at, in order to accompany people. And so I pray the Luminous Mysteries for that reason, but I do not replace the traditional rosary. If I was only to pray one mystery a day, I would probably just keep to the traditional calendar. If I was to only pray three mysteries of the rosary every day, I would save the Luminous Mysteries for last and pray those if I have time. I pray them all four every single day. I've missed a couple of times, but I always pray the three traditional mysteries first and foremost, because those are the ones that our lady gave us the luminous mystery. You can just consider extra credit, just bonus points. And obviously that's not the way the, the, the life of the, of the soul works, but that's just a point to be made. So you may disagree with me. You may uh, agree with me, whatever you think, let me know. Leave a comment, question, comments, concerns, soapbox, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. I didn't go into every single detail that I could, but this is just a general overview. Hopefully this is sufficient. It's already a pretty long podcast as it is, but let me know what you think. I'd be happy to answer any questions, comments, concerns, soapbox, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. And, I, and if you have any issues about my personal reasons for doing it, let me know too, because I'm not, 
I don't like talking about myself. I talk about myself as little as possible in general. But uh, if you have questions about what I'm saying about my personal reasons, well, I'll give them to you in more depth. I kind of just gave you a general overview. I don't like to talk about my personal life too much. But there you go. Those are the reasons. We'll end in a Hail Mary. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you do me a favor, leave a comment, like, comment, subscribe, share it with a friend, all those things. I really appreciate it. That's the only way it gets out. And I should have mentioned at the beginning, but I didn't. So half the people are never going to get to this point. So I'd really appreciate it if you did. Let me know if you listened to the whole thing. Comment down below. Say, hey, I listened to the whole episode. I'd be very grateful to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus, Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri, Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen.